When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers podcast. This is your flagship show kicking off the week as we talk about all things Rangers. My name is Cammy Bell and I'll be your host uh, for the flagship this week. I'm stepping in in place of Mr Edgar, um, who I'm sure will be back with you in short order. And joining me uh, to talk about the weekend's game against Ross County is my very good friend Mr Ross Hutton. Ross, how have you been since recovering from the weekend? <laughs> Recovering is, is the main word. Hi, Cammy. Hi, everyone. Thanks for for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about our day out on Saturday, and it was a it was a wonderful day out. But I, my God, I paid for it on Sunday. You and me both, my friends. You and me both. Before we get into that, and before we get into the football, uh, it would be remiss of us not to pass on our condolences from everyone here at Heart and Hand, and I'm sure everyone listening to the family of our former goalkeeper Billy Thompson, who we found out on Monday afternoon had passed away at the the, the very very young age of 64. Billy Thompson was capped seven times uh, and was a former goalkeeper with St Mirren, Dundee United and of course Rangers. Um, he joined us from Motherwell um, and he was uh, at the club for, for two years and then thereafter went into a coaching role and worked with uh, very own current goalkeeper Alan McGregor. Um, Ross, a very sad day. I know that, that Billy Thompson would have been slightly before your era but um, yeah, he really was a, a tremendous goalkeeper in his day and uh, a, a very, very sad loss, I'm sure. Yeah, just reiterate that from my point of view as well and extend my entire condolences to, to the family and friends of Billy Thompson. And listen, you've just read out his career there, Cammy. It was pretty illustrious in, in all kind of senses. Cat for his country, played for Rangers. He'd obviously kind of been through the, the kind of round of clubs in Scottish football as well, but that just shows how highly rated he was. Um, and at the kind of time period that he was playing for Rangers, you're correct, that was before my time. But coming in and trying to kind of play back up to Andy Gorham couldn't have been any kind of mean feat in itself. So I think he deserves an awful lot of credit for that. And it's, um, you're right to say 64 is no age at all. So it's just a, an incredibly sad day for, for Rangers and more importantly for, for Billy's family and friends. 
Yeah, absolutely. No easy way to move on to that, Ross. But let's talk a little bit then about uh, our 2-1 win against Ross County on Saturday afternoon. You and I, Martin and James, were all very privileged to be representing uh, the Heart and Hand podcast as Matchball sponsors. Um, I'd like to do um, a little shout out, if I may, uh, to Craig and to Megan from Rangers, who took great care of us uh, from literally, and I mean literally, the minute we set foot into, into Ibrox and uh, have a, had an opportunity to be able to go uh, to go trackside, take some some photos, and as I say, it's a great day out. And and if anyone ever has the opportunity to be able to participate in hospitality at the stadium, please do so. You will always be very very well looked after. Um, Ross, uh, it was a great day for us. Uh, we'll all obviously talk about the game in a minute, but before I come into that, um, what were you expecting following uh, what I think was a really positive performance uh, from Rangers at Tynecastle? Uh, we left the, the the Hearts game, the aftermath of it, you know, the, the, the ringing endorsement, I think it's fair to say, of the performance that we were waiting for under Michael Beale. I was really excited about being able to go into a game at home against Ross County, who I, I think will be, you know, there or thereabouts in terms of the relegation battle come the tail end of the season. I thought this would be a good opportunity for us to continue on in that platform. How are you feeling going into it? I think pretty much the same as we all were. Um, I know we've spoken to you boys, obviously, before the game, family, friends. I think coming off of Tynecastle on Wednesday, we're all on such a high because you're right, it's not just a level of performance we've been waiting on under just Michael Beale, Cammy. I mean, it's a level of performance we've been waiting on domestically for probably a number of years, if we're being totally honest. Um, I think we all had those kind of discussions after the game at Tynecastle and we're trying to compare it back to the last properly a uh, fantastic Rangers performance domestically from the first minute to the 90 we could think of um, and again I think they're going back a couple of years to try and find that so that was incredibly encouraging uh, from that perspective now don't get me wrong I think we could probably get a few more goals past hearts but you're thinking right okay lads you know you're close to cracking this year this is exactly what we want to be seeing going forward and you're right, coming up against the Ross County side, who they've been on a decent wee run going into that game. I don't think they'd lost in three, but they're not a fantastic side. Let's not try and rewrite history here because they gave us a tough game on Saturday. I was expecting more of the same. And, and I think if you're Rangers and you're Rangers players, and certainly the way Michael Beale was talking going into the game, Cammy, he was expecting more of the same as well. Because if you could, with all due respect, handpick a fixture that you could kick on from a performance in the result like Tynecastle, this is probably one of them, um, turning up on a Saturday. 3pm with an expectant home crowd and I think that's probably the mood of the entire fan base going into it was expectant because we'd seen what they could do on Wednesday, they t- turned up the gears they turned up the level of performance and I think we were wanting to see that just be sustained over a longer period of time because it's, it's nice and it was nice on Wednesday night to see it done over a 90 minute period but what I now think we want to see and I, I do think we're trending in the right direction but what we now want to see is that extended over a run of three, four, five games and we're not unrealistic, you're not going to play that level of scintillating football with that joie de vie every single game you take to the park, that's not going to happen but we do want to see a wee run of performances like that. So I was kind of hoping for that going into Saturday. Um, I don't think it quite <laughs> materialised that way, though. Well, one of the things that um, I know that the fans were certainly looking out for was uh, being able to get a first look at Heart and Hand-sponsored Nicholas Raskin, who uh, made the bench. Um, we'll come on to Raskin's involvement uh, later on in the game. He got a good wee run out for the last seven, ten minutes or so. But... Um, I want to just talk a little bit, touching on some of the the uh, context I think around the performances, because like you, 
I would like to be able to see us match the results with the performances. Um, and we've mentioned before when we've been talking um, both here and on our Patreon site about the results mean everything, right? Of course, I would rather play 36 games badly but win all of them than play brilliantly and drop points here, there and everywhere. I think the thing, though, Ross, for me going into this particular game was the Tynecastle, it felt to me like they had set the standard. You are right, I don't think it's it's arrogant to say that it was three going on potentially, four, five, six, seven, uh, given some of the chances that we had. And, you know, as I say, we covered that certainly on last week's Extra with, with Adam and company. However, what it has done is it's set... I think, a benchmark for the players to say this is when it gets into gear and really starts to click, that's what we expect. Now, there was, uh, I think it's fair to say, uh, a bit of a sticky start to the game um, on Saturday. I think the, there was a, a forced change, which obviously had to happen when John Lundstrom um, had to leave the field and was replaced by Malik Tillman. Um, that would have been uh, certainly a little bit... Uh, Probably beneficial to us, I think it's fair to say, um, towards the latter stages of the first half. But we did create chances, and I think it's easy to to look at the the game as a, as a whole and think that uh, you know it could have been a little bit of a get out of jail. We we scored what would turn out to be the winner with 15 minutes left in the clock. Uh, we'll obviously talk about the goal that we conceded and John McLaughlin in just a moment. But one of the things I do want to probably take you over Ross is the, the number of chances that we had so uh, you know Tav had a great opportunity with a driving, driving ball forward um, Cantwell who I thought was excellent on Saturday uh, and I, we will talk about him shortly uh, really impressed me in terms of that he was very very unlucky uh, with a curling shot that I thought was going into the top corner I think clipped the bar um, and others who you know I, I think like you say when we, we cover the game it's it's it shows that they were definitely creating more of those chances a little bit more of a killer instinct and I think that we would have had this game done and dusted by the end of the first half yeah um, I think I was probably a wee bit too harsh coming out the ground um, especially speaking to you boys as well about the performance because you're right the kind of goals or lack thereof do cloud your judgment a wee bit but having watched the game back with, um, with no red wine or, or cider or anything like that in my system caveat you know we're a bit of detachment having seen the result I, I don't think we were actually possibly as maybe poor as what I th- felt we were in the moment because we were creating chances now Michael Beale after the game said that a lot of those chances were possibly after maybe taking a touch too many, there was one for Tillman, uh, for example, which I think possibly led to the, the Cantwell chance you're talking about, where Tillman maybe could have just got out his feet a wee bit sooner. So there was a couple of wee moments like that, but in the main, we were creating chances, and that kind of killer instinct, that clinical edge that we did see on uh, on Wednesday night at Tynecastle. I know a lot of the goals were ruled out for offside, but the finishing was there, and we did obviously get our just rewards for that in the end. To have that killer instinct, that's going to be so important because what happens if you don't have that killer instinct is exactly what materialise. You can be susceptible to letting teams like that back into the game. Um, and Ross County, they're not the kind of side who will just come and have a complete low block for the entire game. They will try and push you to an extent. I think Malky Mackay has been kind of known for that. They don't have an awful lot of ball possession, but when they do, they will try and take it forward it's not completely sitting against like a bank of five and a bank of four for the entire game so to speak but what happens in that uh, instance like I said you do give them the opportunity to get back into the game and that's always the danger but like I say looking back with a level of detachment no the, the chances where they are would just need to be able to find that clinical killer instinct on a more regular basis yeah and 
I, I want to I want to talk a bit about Todd Cantwell because his uh, involvement uh, in setting up what would prove to be the breakthrough just before half time for Malik Tillman, um, I think typifies a, a player who, if you were to just show me it purely on what you've seen from Rangers performances, would not indicate to me a guy who has missed a fair amount of football in the last few months. I think he's come in. I think he's looked sharp. I know he will get sharper, and we're building him towards that. But the creation, Ross, for the first goal, some lovely play to be able to try and get the ball out. And and again, at the game, it's so quick. You don't see it at first, but when you watch it back, a lovely little look up. I mean, split seconds, just a look up to find exactly where Tillman is. And then just a lovely floated cross ball in didn't hit it low and hard, didn't snatch at it, didn't just try to get it in and, and hope for the best. I do want to also applaud Malik Tillman here as well, because again, when you see him running in, I think, oh, who I can't, I can't remember exactly who it was. I would need to, I think it might have been Glenn Kamara just in front of him in the goal line. However, Tillman holds his run up slightly, knows that he can create that angle, a lovely cross goal finish for the header. Um, these two guys for me, I think are really making a big difference for us. Now, Cantwell, for me, feels like he's brought an energy into the midfield. He's brought, uh, he's making it look a bit more lively. Tillman, I think, has got a very old head and young shoulders in terms of some of the things that he's he's trying to do. Um, But Cantwell, I think, already, Ross, fitting into that system, looks like he's enjoying his football, was rightly, in my opinion, given man of the match. Um, after after the game, I know some people were 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 swithering on that, but I I honestly think that he's he's a huge addition to the team. It just feels so nice to be able to talk positively about some of our recruitment for a change. And talk positively about the midfield at Rangers. Yep. Now, when you watch that goal back, positivity is exactly what Todd Cantwell brings to this side. So when you watch it, and you almost kind of take it on a frame by frame basis. He gets the ball at the edge of the box and gives it to Morelos, who I think does quite well himself in this goal. But how many times, Cammy, we sat and complained about Rangers midfield, they would just give the ball to Morelos at the edge of the box and then nothing would happen. There'd be no off-the-ball movement. It'd be like watching statues. What Todd Cantwell gives you is that positivity and that dynamism as he gives the ball to Morelos and then attacks the space on the other side. He kind of gives Morelos the opportunity to make that underlapping run almost right through the, the heart of that defence. They can't deal with it. They try to block him. He gets on the end of it with some pace and power. And then the other key thing, the other key ingredient, is that end product that you mentioned. And it's not just a, a hopeful lump back into the, the corridor of uncertainty, so to speak, or that kind of middle-of-the-box area. He gets his head up and he sees where Malik Tillman is and puts a, an inch-perfect ball back into the area. Now, take nothing away from Tillman himself. He's really good at attacking that space. Also being in the right place at the right time to be on the end of it. And it's a, it's a lovely finish. I think it was Sakala on the goal line um, who, who could, possibly could have turned it in had anything not went exactly to plan there. But the two of them are having a massive impact on this Rangers team, not just in terms of the actual output, in terms of raw numbers, the assist and the goal, obviously, for Cantwell and Tillman, but the overall positivity and dynamism they bring to the, to the entire team. Again, how often have we spoke about Rangers midfield who would just stand statically and, and pass a, a ball kind of backwards side of his backwards side of his, like watching some kind of crab. They don't give you that. Watch Todd Cantwell and watch Malik Tillman when they get the ball. Their first thought is, can, can I turn with this? Can I run at a defender? Can I take a man on? And that makes such a difference. And again, with all due respect, Scottish teams, they're not the best in the world. You drive at the heart of these lads. Very often you're going to get just rewards from that. 
and Cantwell and Tillman are not afraid to do that at all, and we are now seeing the end product of it. And obviously, the the kind of situation with Tillman is slightly different to Cantwell. He is not our player yet, but for me, my mind's been made up for a while, and I'm not seeing anything now that would dissuade me from you know <laughs> throwing money at Bayern Munich and leaving them a tip for the service in the summer. Because I think if we can get them settled on a long-term basis, i.e. next season, the season after, they could be very, very special for us. There's, there's an interesting thing which, uh, again, we, we've been talking about um, recently where we've we've not had that static horseshoe offensive movement where it has just felt like there's zero other option within that. And what I thought was quite interesting when you watch how Ross County and Malcolm McKay had set up on Saturday, Ross, was that they wanted to be able to try and press a little bit further up the park and potentially drop another another centre half and they're following some of the runners it was probably it felt you know on reflection a quiet day for Alfredo Morelos but we're now at this stage where a quiet day for Alfredo Morelos doesn't mean that there's not going to be goals from elsewhere in the team and I think for me that's what made the key difference 100% 100% and again how often have we cried out for it Cammy that if Morelos is having a bad game then Rangers seemingly have a bad game and I think that's kind of one of the, the things that I noticed on Saturday as well because in the past what we would have done in that situation is we might have failed to get the uh, the initial goal in the opening 20 minutes and then resorted to just trying to lump balls into the box and hoping that Morelos gets on the end of it. I don't think we've done that in the main. I think we did try to diversify our attacks quite a lot. Didn't possibly get the rewards we should have from that. That's down to that killer instinct and possibly a, a lack of clinical finishing that we spoke about. But we didn't just resort to the same old tried and tested nonsense that has failed us in the past. Because, listen, a team like Ross County, they will eat that up all day long if you just stand and lump balls into the box. But we have players now, Tillman, Cantwell, Morelos to an extent as well, who won't just naturally try and do that. They'll offer you something a, a wee bit different. And it means that on the odd occasion when you do put a ball into the box, you can create good chances. The one that Alfie missed um, was a really, really good chance for him, actually done incredibly well. But that's not the complete norm in a game like that. And again, that's so positive going forward, is that teams can't set against us defensively in the way that they would be if they knew that they could just frustrate us for 20 minutes and we'd resort to that for the next 70 you think of Livingston at home for example you think it's a George the way where we get beat but that's pretty much all we've done for, for 90 minutes near enough we just try and put balls into the box I don't think we've got the players who are naturally minded now to do that we'll come on to talk about Raskin in the wee minute as well but he seems to add that element of dynamism uh, too so you're right it's incredibly encouraging to talk positively about our January recruitment but talk even more positively about what they're now doing on the park because I think it is genuinely really exciting going forward well, I think it probably changed the scope, maybe not too much, but it changed the scope of the manager's half-time team talk. And I think probably what would have happened, Ross, is when we get into uh, the dressing room and it's nil-nil, then I think the manager addresses some of the issues and obviously what's been happening. I would imagine it wouldn't have been, you know, the the, the, the rock-up bum time. It would have been encouragement. It would have been keep going because it, it will come, it will come. Um, and I don't think that the goal made too much difference to that. I think he wanted to be able to allow the players to go and continue to express themselves and continue to create those chances, and, and we certainly did in the second half. But the sucker punch came um, on 65 minutes when Ross County equalised, and I think I think what it's done, Ross, is I've seen a lot of conversation in the fallout to this following Jordan White's uh, header that John McLaughlin 
has come out for a ball which really he has no right in coming for. He has completely missed it. Now, the flip side of that coin is that you could easily say, well, if White gets his head in the ball from point-blank range, you know, it's going to be a very, very difficult save to make. But there are conversations around what are we doing within the goalkeeping situation. I'm keen to get your thoughts as to whether or not you feel is rotation the best policy? We're, we're, we're almost certain that Alan McGregor will not be here next season. Um, I think that that would be the right move. If I'm being honest, I, I can't advocate him staying now. He is a legend in my eyes. Um, I, I think, you know, pretty much most people will enter into the debate as to whether or not um, McGregor or Gorham are best goalkeepers and to be involved in that company speaks volumes within itself. However, if we are going to still have John McLaughlin at Rangers next season, and I think that's likely, personally, do we still need to be able to give them games or do we need a settled back five as much as we can we can hope for it and go in the assumption that that will be whatever last pieces of juice we can get out of Alan McGregor or do we just give John McLaughlin the opportunity? It feels a lot to me, and this is just my opinion, that when John McLaughlin makes a mistake, there's people waiting on the wings to say Alan McGregor wouldn't have done that. And how does he escape that? Do you mean until next season? He doesn't. Um, he, and the thing is, even should Alan McGregor be in a position where he's not a Rangers goalkeeper next season, John McLaughlin will not uh, escape that, whether it's a comparison to Alan McGregor or indeed any new goalkeeper that we recruit in the summer. I've been a long-term advocate of not rotating the goalkeepers like this. I don't think it works. I don't think it settles your back four. I think it leads to miscommunication and sloppy goals conceded. If you remember back to just before when Gerard and obviously Bill, who was part of that management team at the time, were chopping and changing goalkeepers before he went to Aston Villa, Look at the, the kind of nonsense goals that we were conceding at that period of the time as well. Cammy goals, a wee bit like the one we conceded on Saturday, because I think when you have a settled back five, and I include obviously the goalkeeper in that, there's a consistency of communication, there's a consistency of understanding, and you lose that when you start chopping and changing a goalkeeper. It's like a centre-half partnership. You don't want to have to change that more than you need to because you want to build up those solid foundations, that solid partnership where people just have muscle memory of each other. Now, again, Al-, Al McGregor doesn't come for that cross. I think we're all patently aware of that now. But I would still imagine Jordan White would probably have a decent chance of scoring, given where he was. I think it was an XG of 0.13, but I'm not too sure how fair a reflection that is actually the quality of chance that Jordan White had. It was a very good chance from that kind of range. I don't think goals and covers, covers himself in a particular you know, array of glory in that goal either. But perhaps does that come from the fact he doesn't know if McLaughlin's going to stick or twist and come for it? This is what I mean. You kind of you lose that balance almost. You lose that element of understanding it. And muscle memory is what I referred to it as earlier on. Job McLaughlin will not be the Rangers number one next season. That that cannot happen. Um, I know there's an argument that he shouldn't be uh, the Rangers number one now. It's probably going to have to just suck it up and deal with this that he's going to change between McGregor and McLaughlin between now and the end of the season. Where Robin McCrory fits into that picture is a whole different conversation. Because I think if you're Robin McCrory, you'd be probably asking for game time. Is that something we might see against Party Thistle? Who knows? But there's absolutely no way we can be going into the first league game of next season with John McLaughlin as, as the Rangers number one and a long-term view to keep him there as well because I, I do think it's quite evident now that we need an upgrade in that area I think the defenders would probably enjoy an upgrade in that area and I think John McLaughlin's going through a period of time now in his own form but he's not playing his best this is not the first time we've seen him do this in recent weeks um, he had a, a similarly 
bad experience away at Kilmarnock, shall we say, in terms of kind of coming for crosses. They didn't cover himself in glory there either. So I think best for everyone, even if we do understand that we need to try and suck this up between now and the end of the season, this cannot happen again next season. We cannot be sitting in February 2024, can we, having similar type conversations because we would concede similar types of goals and unfortunately maybe kind of similar type results that we had last season and earlier on this season we would throw away stupid points. Is he, this is going to sound incredibly basic, but I'm keen to get your thoughts on it. Is he coming for crosses? Is he coming off his line because he knows that that's something that Al McGregor doesn't do and he wants to differentiate himself? Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I'd hate to believe that players kind of buy into that discourse too much, that it does become something in, in their head. I think it's in John McLaughlin's nature to come for those kind of balls. Uh, even before there was the the kind of chat about should he be playing instead of Alan McGregor. John McLaughlin was always someone that we, I think we all said at one period of time, we were all kind of comfortable with him coming for cross balls and it was something that was severely lacking in Alan McGregor's game. I just think he's going through a period of form right now and a kind of patch in time where it's just not happening for him. Now, John McLaughlin has been desperately unfortunate as a Rangers goalkeeper where he was party to that absolute omni-shambles at Parkhead earlier on in the season that killed the confidence of a lot of the team the difference is they are now having the opportunity on a regular basis to kind of play themselves back into some kind of confident form. Goalkeepers, that's a wee bit different. You know, Ajax a couple of days later away um, away in Holland, I don't think he was directly at fault for many of the goals, but it couldn't have helped his confidence either, shipping four goals there. And now we're sort of seeing those mistakes creep in on a regular basis. So, for example, like I said, Robbie Park, he wasn't great there. Saturday, he wasn't great there. I'd hate to think he's just coming for cross balls because he thinks that's something he has to do. I'd say all goalkeepers need to do it. But I would hate to think he's doing it just to differentiate himself from Alan McGregor because if that is what he's doing, it's clearly not working at this moment in time. No, I mean, and again, the reason why I say that, right, is because I'm probably playing a little bit of devil's advocate there because I do see that as an argument against having John McLaughlin there and it's almost as if he feels like he's, he's playing to retain that spot so therefore he sees it and, and I do get it because at the same point as much as we've waxed lyrical about Tynecastle, Al McGregor had to pull out a very good save to stop us from conceding and I think as we're going to talk about in just a second when we talk about going back ahead in this game there's a there's a temperament to this because again we are getting results we haven't got brilliant performances in the back of it and therefore, I think that that lack of confidence can emanate from the stands as, you know, we were sitting together on Saturday and I was at that point where I was thinking, right now we need to be able to try and turn this up because we've been a bit wasteful in front of goal. Um, we've, 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 you know, especially in the second half, I mean, Ryan Kent had a brilliant shot that came off the bar, but sometimes those are defined margins and we'd had some of that in the first half. And it makes you think because that's psychologically, that's where we are at the moment because we think, that, you know, we need to be able to try and put teams to bed a lot easier than we are. It makes us then doubt defensively what we're doing. And then it comes into the conversation about goalkeeper rotation, what's right, what's wrong, etc. But I think it's an interesting conversation. I think we're going to continue to see rotation. Um, and I think it will be interesting to see what he does in a couple of weeks um, at the the League Cup final. But we'll talk about that later on. Um we were able to regain the lead, however, with what would prove to be the winner from um, a, a free kick, which I'm going to think was not 
planned necessarily off the training <laughs> ground. A wicked deflection uh, allows a Borna Barisic free kick to go in by the, 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 the rooted county goalkeeper at his right-hand post. Uh, Rangers regain the lead. I think uh, Borna was probably pretty surprised that it went in, but scoring goals from free kicks, Ross, I'll take that any day of the week, no matter how it, how it comes across. Oh, you would have taken any goal in that situation any day of the week. Um, but I think that kind of comes into the the general point of how Rangers responded to that equaliser because, again, we've seen this Rangers side in the past really not respond well to setbacks on the park. You can make the case for the defence as well. We've seen them respond really well to setbacks on the park. Scottish Cup semi-final, for example, is a very good example of that. But we have seen them kind of shirk under the pressure and especially at a massively pissed off Ibrox at that point. I actually think we responded quite well. You mentioned the Ryan Kent opportunity before that. He was desperately unlucky not to score what would have been an absolute screamer. And it's from that goes and kind of collects the ball and obviously wins the foul for the free kick. But I don't, I don't know. And again, I'm trying not to say this in too much of a revisionist sense, but I did still feel confident we would find a way. And that's not something I've said very much about this Rangers side, especially not this season, earlier on. But even sitting there, I was obviously very much annoyed at the fact that we were putting ourselves in that position and we hadn't been ruthless and clinical in that first half, especially to put the game out of sight by half-time. But I did still retain a level of confidence that we would manage to find a winner some way, somehow. And now, listen, if you're a Ross County fan, you'd be absolutely sick conceding that. I don't really care. The, from a Rangers fan, we are due that kind of bit of luck, that absolute scrappy, nonsense goal. That's a positive, and if I was a manager, I'd be reiterating that to the side, saying, listen, that probably wasn't the best today, but you found a way, and we talk about different kinds of wins that you need, and I don't think the, the league is on by any kind of stretch of the imagination, but kind of looking in a longer-term basis for next season, you need to be able to have those moments to sort of call upon when you're in a sticky patch, because it's not going to be like Tynecastle every week. There's going to be times where you're going to be up against the wall and needing to find a scrappy win some way, somehow. So those are equally as important just to sort of build that mentality, because it could have been incredibly damaging, dropping points on Saturday. I think that's what seven games in a row in all competitions we've won now, and it's good to try and keep that momentum going, because winning breeds winning. So to not have it halted in such a way is incredibly positive, and to even though it probably wasn't the most sparkling performance we'll see from this Ranger side, to find a way to win mentally, I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, and listen, do you know what? You make a great point about um, sometimes you do need to get, you know, a bloody nose in order to be able to try and look around some of the characters on it. Now, you know, we've not had our troubles to seek in the first half of the season, of course not. And I think, you know, understands, you know, the, the situation that we're in now as you talk about within the league. But, it's, it, I want to try and remain positive in terms of that because I, I was like you, I was uh, very much annoyed during the game about uh, the 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 lack of killer instinct to be able to get the ball over the line. I think we made it harder than we needed to, um, and that I don't enjoy. But at the same point, I want to look back at it positively, and I think I, I've probably changed my opinion since having the opportunity to watch the game back in its entirety, wherein. We, we, you know, we were just very unlucky with some of those chances. I mean, you know, we've hit the bar twice, Cantwell and Ken. I think, you know, Tav gets his shot in the first half on target. Morelos has had one in there as well. Um, you know, we've, we've been able to piece it together bit by bit. I think Borna needed a goal, uh, you know, at home, which I think, you know, is, is, is going to be benefit. He's obviously been chipping in recently with goals and stuff as well, which I think has been helpful for him because he is, everybody knows he's very much a confidence player. 
And I would like him to continue that run of confidence, certainly going into the League Cup final, because we all have to now have one eye on that. There's no doubt around it. But I think it was, I think it was ultimately a good result. Um, and hopefully something that, you know, as you mentioned before, the manager relates to and says, you know, you've you've shown the character to take the lead back despite the game not going as we truly intended. But we've managed it and we've been able to get across the line. Um, there were obviously a number of changes that, that, that happened and, and one of which obviously we have to talk about, Ross, which uh, was uh, Nicholas Raskin uh, coming on for um, Todd Cantwell last 10 minutes or so, I think the game probably in its kind of its dying phases. Tell me a little bit about um, your thoughts on on the Raskin signing. You know, I think he got plenty of the ball in his uh, in his Rangers debut for me. Um, what's your thoughts overall? I think that was kind of one of the key disappointments almost from Saturdays. I think if we'd put that game to bed a lot earlier, we might have seen a wee bit more of Raskin. Obviously, you don't want to throw him in at the deep end, so to speak. So when we're Chasing that one, or he's probably not going to be the first person you would look to, given the circumstances of when he's coming in. But I do kind of feel as though we were potentially robbed of that a wee bit, for lack of a better phrase. But what we did see of him, Cammy, I thought was incredibly encouraging. I was talking to Adam and Martin um, on Extra a couple of weeks ago, just before Raskin signed, and we were talking about the kind of player profile, what he can bring to the side. And one of the things I kind of picked up on in my research about him when I was looking into his background and playing for Standard Liège is he constantly gets called a leader. I think even in the kind of dying embers of that game, actually at the weekend, you could see that he was constantly demanding the ball. And like I said about Cantwell and Tillman, not just demanding the ball for the sake of having it, demanding the ball to try and make things happen. He went on that run as well, which I think, uh, you know, half of Ibooks off, off our seats as well. And it was incredibly encouraging to see. And we've got a bit of an opportunity, and I don't want to kind of preempt perhaps a discussion we'll have in a minute about Partick Thistle um, at the weekend where we can possibly see a wee bit more of Raskin having that opportunity to try and bleed him into the side but it's a signing that I don't think has any kind of real negative points possibly you can maybe make a case that the fee that we paid for him under those circumstances was a wee bit high but I'm kind of coming round to the point of view now that that was possibly a necessity to get that quality level of player in and I think we have seen that in a albeit a small cameo the kind of positive impression he can make on Rangers given the, the skill that he has on the ball given the range of passing that he has and given the dynamism that he has I think kind of going forward again it's something I'm incredibly excited about and seeing this team sort of take shape almost under Beal now I still think there's a lot of work to do in the summer and goings and outgoings of course but we're starting to get a wee bit of a, of a greater flavour now about what he can offer us Michael Beal as a manager going forward and the kind of image he can imprint onto the side and you do like to think that players like Raskin and indeed Cantwell and Tillman are going to be massive massive parts of that It feels a lot to me Todd Cantwell I think more than anything else in terms of how he's, he's come into the team he doesn't have and nor should he but he doesn't have any of that probably that, that first half of the season baggage, which I think a lot of players have had to shift to probably find a bit more licence. And I think that that's been one of the first things that Michael Beale has addressed, has been able to come in and speak to a group of guys that he knows and he's worked with previously, to say, you know, fundamentally, I know you're better players than this. Um, if it's a lack of belief, if it's a lack of confidence, if it's uh, a lack of reality, you know, whatever else is going on, you can remove these shackles yourself and go out there and play. And you've seen that within Fashion Sakala. You've seen that with uh, Ryan Kent, especially. Um, these players coming into the group now, I think, do two things. They don't have that baggage. Therefore, they don't have excuses 
to be able to try and uh, and not uh, you know properly take the game and control the tempo and take risks and be brave and take risks and be brave is not steaming into tackles it's trying a difficult pass trying to 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 make that ball through the channel uh, been able to try and get uh, the ball moving positively going forward and, and and really taking it to to your opponent. But the other thing is as well, I think it's raised standards. I think it's made some of those guys, and I think we saw probably a bit of that at Tynecastle, but I think more so in this, and why we're talking so positively about the midfield, that it's given everyone a lift. And new new signings can do that. New blood coming into the group can do that. I'm not I'm not overly concerned about the fact that we we had to pay a fee for Raskin. I think you see that more and more now. It used to be the case where most clubs would allow a player just to run down their, their contract and someone else would be getting them. And, and listen, we've suffered from that previously. But now it, it seems like the, the the more modern football business model for players coming in, even with a fraction of time left in their contract, is if you can bring them in now, we'll do what you need to do with them across the course of the season, but you've probably got one eye on the following season as well. I think Raskin could prove to be very, very instrumental in some of the things we're looking to achieve, certainly for the the course of the next few months. Instrumental is a good word for it, um, and that's the key. That's the key element of this signing and the importance of trying to get him in the door when we did. Cammy is, even though we do speak about the league um, in terms of the fact that we don't think it's going to happen for Rangers in the league this season, we do still have two domestic cups to play for, and we do have momentum. Because I think it's football fans we are all guilty of it. I know I certainly am. You can kind of get into your head that the summer is always a fresh start and that it's just a kind of clean slate between season to season. It's not, you know, and we've, we've seen it before. What's the, the major comparison everyone keeps making now? It's between Michael Beale coming in and potentially winning two cups and what Alex McLeish achieved before, obviously going on to have a massive amount of success for Rangers. And you need to kind of build that platform and you need to try and almost sort of stop Celtic's momentum. Now, that happened in part by us winning the, the Scottish Cup last year, but you also want to kind of stop that momentum and send a proper marker. Kind of set that set that out early, set your stall out and say, that, no, this is going to be a proper Rangers team from now on and they're not going to be bowled over. And they do have a serious, serious challenge on their hands next season. And if you can try and build that momentum and build that confidence within the side that, you know, they, they can go do it, they can become relentless in domestic cup competitions again, they can become relentless against domestic opposition again, and that's only a positive thing going forward. And to do that, you do need those those new additions into the side who can give you that fresh impetus and who don't, like you say, have the baggage and previous scar tissue that other players in the squad have perhaps had. Cantwell's one of them. Tillman, uh, unfortunately, was obviously part of that uh, squad that got you know ragdolled about in the Champions League and had heavy defeats off of Celtic in the first half of the season. But I think you can see, like you said, old head on young shoulders. He's playing his way through that now and coming into a, a real rich vein of form. And the other one is, of course, Raskin. So that it's incredibly positive for us going forward. And just to have that sort of fresh fresh perspective in the side, that fresh dynamism, like I say, I think it's going to be really, really important for us going for the League Cup final and, of course, the Scottish Cup as well. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't talk too much about uh, Sunday's game against Partick Thistle in the Scottish Cup, Ross, because Adam will pick that up in heart and hand extra towards the tail end of the week. But while we're here and while we're talking about it, would you look to be able to see Raskin um, more involved in that, even potentially starting that game, or do we still want to see about how we can we can bleed him into the team a little bit more gradually? I think, kind of, given where we are 
you do want to try and get as many minutes into as many players as possible. So I don't think it's completely out of the realms of a possibility that Raskin starts. Um, Todd Cantwell as well. You're again trying to build him up fitness-wise, given where he was and the lack of football that he's played. So I'd still expect an incredibly strong team, actually, going out against Partick Thistle. I don't really see it being wholesale changes. Alex Lowry is another one that perhaps like to see get a start against Partick Thistle. I think he's possibly been a wee bit unlucky lately, maybe not to have more game time than what he has. So that could be an opportunity to identify, to let him have that chance to go out against an opposition that we should be quite comfortable with at Ibrox, um, with all due respect, and let him show his talents there as well. But apart from that, I'm not expecting to see masses and masses of changes because, listen, it's very important for us that we keep gelling as a side. You don't want to try and disrupt that momentum. And like you say, we've got players in the squad that do need the minutes. So I would be expecting quite a strong side against party this, and I know obviously Adam will cover that more in depth uh, towards the end of the week. But it could be one that we could be identifying Raskin for a start, just to try and get those minutes in the legs early, as I say, in a game that maybe won't be played to the same intensity as much more important ones, dare I say, we have coming up. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, people will now start, I mean, I'm doing it already for I'm starting to, to spy that League Cup final um, against that lot at the end of the month. Um, and <laughs> without getting too far ahead of ourselves, we've got a game, as you say, against Partick Thistle at home and then that pitch at Livingston. But we will un- unpack that all in due course across uh, Heart and Hand. If you would like to hear more um, from us here at Heart and Hand, why not jump onto our Patreon site, um, patreon.com forward slash Heart and Hand, and you will hear not only uh, the in-depth analysis uh, of Michael Beale's teams thus far, um, and uh, also some excellent B-team coverage by Mr Hutton himself and his cohort James but all the build up to each of these games and then the post-match analysis thereafter with loads and loads of shows in between and as we mentioned already um, your Patreon subscriptions help us invest money back into the club by means of sponsorship as well we do look to heavily invest within Rangers as well it is one of the things we are incredibly proud to do the only thing left for me to do now is to uh, thank our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers, but more importantly, thank my guest for this week, Mr Ross Hutton. Ross, thank you so much. A pleasure as always. No, pleasure as all mine, Cammy. Thank you. Adam will be back uh, by the end of the week, folks, with uh, the preview. Looking forward to uh, the Scottish Cup game against Partick Thistle at Ibrox on Sunday. Hope you have a brilliant week and we will speak to you again very, very soon. Speak soon. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.